There is a fifth dimension. A dimension of sound. Damn it, Frank! We tell him to be quiet. I spill my hot cup of Uranus again. A dimension of sight. Hey, Arch. I'm gonna sock you in the puss. A dimension of mind. Nan Adams, is that you? Ah! Ah! Next stop, the Twilight Zone. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Fifth Dimension and Twilight Zone podcast. I am, of course, your host, Nick. I am here to talk, uh, you know, all things Twilight and Twilight gl- uh, glittery vampires, you know, all that stuff. That's, uh, you know, what we do. We don't talk about the Twilight Zone. We talk about, you know, uh, I don't know, Bella and um, uh, vampires and Take Edward and yeah, and uh, <laughs> va- uh, werewolves uh, falling in love with the young kids, you know, that type of thing. We talk about that. We don't talk about um can tell someone, someone tell me to be quiet so i can uh have my silence anyone anyone oh i like how you work that in yeah nobody nobody i was wondering if anybody was gonna be like gonna place a bet with me to shut up and stop talking through the entire pay episode you 50 million dollars <laughs> shut the fuck up this whole episode oh uh, shit um, in the words no. of uh in the words of archie uh taylor let's see here oh that's the wrong thing hang on sorry uh where is it I'll pay you a million dollars uh, to not say that joke again. Night your financial your nightly financial uh uh folder folder road folder road is 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 over is overstated <laughs> and we are not interested because, uh, yeah because it's because it's nonsense and shit. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And that's what we do, people. We are a nonsense podcast that does nonsensical things. And uh with that said, uh if you want to listen to those nonsensical things, you can hear them on audio feeds like Anchor and Audio Boom and Cups of Uranus and Apple Podcast and uh Give Me Loans and uh The Jugal what else? The Google. Yeah, the Jugal and uh uh Jonathan Harris and is not wanting to make sure his person gets money, that type of thing. No, we're on Google Play and of course uh Amazon Music and all that stuff. So rate, subscribe, stars, all that stuff if you want us to succeed. If you want us to not have crying children, Jacob doesn't want to have crying children anymore. He wants money. Give us money, people. We'll do it. We'll do anything for money. Anything. Even cut our, uh, I don't know, I'll, I'll, I'll cut my hair or something like that. I don't know. But anyways, without further ado, I am here. We're here. We're back as usual. We have, of course, Triv and Jacob. How the hell are you guys? Uh, Henry Cavill. Uh, I'm not Henry living. Cavill. I'm not living in a glass house. That's super invasive and weird. Man. Me neither. <laughs> I'm good. How about you? I know. Thank you, Jacob. Thank you for saying you're good. Uh, yeah. I feel like true. I'm the only one who's not talking nonsensical craziness tonight. That's odd to me. Well, I mean, <laughs> trying to get a I, I got, situation. <laughs> we gotta get we gotta get the nonsense out before we talk about this like super serious episode. So that's oh. how, that's how I'm trying to roll the episode. And then, uh, yeah, so you guys are both doing good. Everything working out. Uh, everything Nothing's working. Nothing's falling off. So that's Nothing. all I can say. You're still living in that 2D universe. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Last time I checked. Cool. Uh, so yeah, so they're both doing good, and uh, we have another person with us. Uh, this guy uh, is uh, staring into the ether of his fan that is slowly vibrating into existence. Uh, that person, of course, is <laughs> that person, of course, is a returning host or returning guest. That is Rob. Uh, Rob Dodrio, how you doing, sir? How's life? How's uh, everything? Congratulations on your newly. Uh... <laughs> You're welcome. 
congratulations on your newly released uh, uh, short that you just posted on your YouTube channel. So I hope you're. We've already killed Triv. Triv Triv's dead. Excuse me. Thank see, you. See, Rob, you were brought in. You were brought in, sir. This is actually a uh, uh, interview process because Triv's died of laughter. So we need a new co-host. And uh, you, you seem like the perfect, perfect person to bring on. So welcome. welcome. All I got to do is this. Right? <laughs> oh, man. Um, I had a couple of beers. I apologize. <laughs> Trip drinking? That's, wait. Shush, shush, shush. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, uh, Rob. Yeah, right. Rob, so how you doing, man? How's uh, how's everything going? Congratulations, like I said, on your, your short you just released. Uh, it was awesome. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Uh, yeah. So, but yeah. So, uh, with that said, uh, how's everything going? Everything good? Good. Good. Happy to be back talking about Twilight. So it's been a while, I think. I don't know. I don't really pay attention to time, I guess, but it seems like it's been a while. I think, I, I think we can all agree that when we get to, we've gotten to a, an age where time is just non existent because it goes too way too quickly. Yeah. So it's either been a while or like two weeks. <laughs> Why not both? <laughs> two weeks it's uh it's weeks <laughs> but yeah i mean definitely like well i'll have make sure uh, rob promotes at the end but definitely check out his channel so uh guys and gals i talked last week on this episode on our episode which was the rip man winkle caper that i uh i have uh a, I'm, i've been hugely excited this is like i think this is outside of the obsolete man and maybe the monster to do on maple street this is like one of the episodes that i've wanted to talk about for quite a while and this is like uh when jacob and his um the invaders episode you know how much you know jacob was like really anticipating that episode and there's you know episodes i'm sure trev has been anticipating uh, talking about that have come up and i can't i know like one for the angels was one of those episodes and stuff like that but we're here to talk an episode that i consider one of the greatest episodes of the twilight zone I, I, I want to fight for this to be a top 10 episode, but I don't know how you guys feel about that. And we'll talk about it as we move along. But this episode, of course, is season two, episode 25, which is called The Silence, uh, directed by Boris Seagal. Uh, of course, uh, Steven Seagal's uh, father, you know, because apparently his father was a director. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding, but his, his last name is Seagal, <laughs> which I think is funny. So uh, it's written by Rod Sterling. It stars uh, Franchot Tone as Archie, Liam Savalin, or Sullivan as Jamie, Jonathan Harris as George, and Cyril Devante as Franklin. And Franklin. 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 <laughs> uh, a slot with, machine. I'm kind of disappointed. Kind of cool if there was a slot machine just in his little cubicle room that he was in. <laughs> chasing him around chasing it around or chasing him around for like the entire time he can't jump out a window because it's not three feet off the ground right right um but i I, jacob i know i mean unless you remember this episode i'm pretty sure you don't you haven't because you haven't seen in a while do you remember were you i guess going in without spoiling the ending or anything like that did you expect it to go where it was going to go and did you see the ending coming you uh you want me to be honest (laughs) yeah (laughs) um no i don't uh i I don't remember the episode i didn't remember going Uh into it as i was watching it i was like i vaguely remember the whole situation they put this guy in but no i didn't remember any details yes i i uh i I actually made a note eight minutes in i made Uh a note that he did this thing or something Uh mark my words okay that's what he did (laughs) that's i'm not saying it was bad 
I'm no, 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 no. I, I was curious because, like, if, you know, this is an episode that I've watched like a hundred thousand times, I think. But sure. I was curious. Uh, this is what I'm curious about. This is one of those episodes I think I would always recommend to anybody who wants to watch the Twilight Zone because mm-hmm. I think what this episode ends up doing is it presents a narrative, and that narrative ends up being quite paid off pretty well. And I, I'm actually curious with like you know you, Rob or Triv. I know you guys have seen this episode probably quite a few times. Whether you remember the ending or not is either there or there. But, you know, going into it, knowing what you know from the episode, you know, one, when was the last time you saw this episode? And two, did the, even if you, even if you knew the ending, did it still hit you like it does me in a very uh, potent way in a lot of respects, I guess? What do you guys think? I, th- I mean, I, th- I thought so. I know you kind of already asked me, but I mean, even though I said what I said. Oh, yeah. I thought I still thought it was a I, I thought it was a good episode. Right. I liked like all the uh the execution and everything. It was a very enjoyable episode. Yeah, when you um told me what episode uh we were gonna do, so I I went back to to watch it again. I didn't remember it by the title, but once you started telling me it was about the bet that he couldn't talk for a year, I immediately yeah. remembered I, I don't know how long ago it was that I saw it, but you just tell me that simple premise and it immediately came to mind. And I remembered the twist and what happens and everything. Um, so it's definitely an episode that has stuck with me. Cause I, I don't even remember the last time I saw it before I just watched it again recently. Okay. How about you, Trev? Uh, by name, like, like Rob, um, by name, I didn't remember what this was, but the second you see the first frame of it, you, you kind of know um, what you're getting into. It, it's probably been four or five years since I've seen it. Um, as far as ending goes, it feels like everybody involved, like anyone that was deceptive in some way, shape or form, got their comeuppance in a way. So yeah, yeah, it's definitely an ending that, especially for the era, I would say like nobody wins. Right. And yeah, yeah. It's, um, ironically, uh, Rob, like I said, I've known you for quite a while, but this was one of the episodes that in film school that I remember, uh, vividly kind of, um, talking to you and some other people about because uh, i the, the the twilight zone was one of those series i've watched through my entire life but you know there are certain episodes that i miss and the silence was one of those episodes that i kind of uh started watching it was this film school went on and we started you know started talking about with the twilight zone and it was one of those episodes like i said it's always stuck with me and that's i'm gonna be honest this is one of the reasons i wanted to do the twilight zone was because of an episode like the silence and just what it was capable of doing what roster was capable of saying as a, a written author and uh it's it's why i like this series so much because you get you get you know we talk about like stupid shit like you know um i don't know the, the fever or the trouble templeton which i know some people like the trouble templeton but then we get into episodes like this and it's just like god damn you know as you can tell, I may or may not love this episode. So I like, uh, I think what was, I don't want to say revolutionary, but what was better, one of the things that was really good about it, it did a really good job of <clears throat> lending itself to a really good second watch. Yeah. Because um, a lot of episodes, well, some episodes, like the twist happens and there's nothing, you might guess it, but there's nothing really, there's no hints dropped about the twist. Mm-hmm. sometimes there's some but it's not like a ton of them i thought this one dropped a lot of little subtle hints throughout that when you go back and watch it you're like oh like the whole when he asked him about what he's been eating because that was yeah. what solidified my i i i made that note and then a few minutes later they asked him about the eating 
has he been, you know, how's he doing? He's been eating good. And he was like, uh, not for the first week or two, but after that, yeah, he's fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that's why I mean, we'll get into it. That's why Jonathan Harris's character is so like integral to this episode is he's like, do you really want to be doing this shit? <laughs> do you want to be, do you really want to put yourself through this? Because he's going to, he's going to want the money at the end. And are you sure you can do this? And the lawyer's like the lawyer, you know, Jonathan Harris, who plays the lawyer, keeps telling him, "Are you sure you gonna? Are you sure you want to do this?" <laughs> so, I, I think that's. That? Uh, I think what it did well is it almost sort of played off um, what people expect because at this point everybody's watching the Twilight Zone, like when it would f- first come out, and even now, and you're like, "Okay, what's the twist of this episode going to be?" And they're really trying to kind of misdirect you and saying the twist is going to be the revelation of this Mm -hmm. old man and his bet. Yeah. And then they kind of reveal that and you're like, okay, yeah, I saw that coming. And then they really reveal what the real twist of the episode is. Kind of a one-two punch. really. Which um, to be fair, this is based off Anton Chekhov's the bet, which I I went and looked at the synopsis. It's similar, but it's not like a hundred percent. I think, the lawyer, the lawyer character is the main kind of uh I wouldn't call Archie an antagonist, but he's like the more gruff individual, the one that places the bet with uh, the Jamie character. Archie? Yeah, yeah, Archie. Def- I think he's definitely the antagonist. You you, think, you consider him antagonist? Yeah, I mean in this story. I mean mm-hmm. if not him, who would be? Actually, Cyril Devon Delavante, was he another Twilight Zone episode? I see I seem to there? remember he's the the butler. Yeah, uh yeah, I was thinking that too, but I look, he looks really familiar. He looks really damn familiar. Him, a lot of the people in this episode look really damn familiar. The guy who plays Tennyson, I looked back mm-hmm. at his backlog too, and I just perused it, but I didn't see that thing that jumped out where I went, Oh, yeah, there it is. But man, that guy looks so familiar. He yeah, looks like uh, Matthew good. McConaughey to me a bit. Yeah, Maybe, but I mean, he has a he, the, the young guy, he, I was like, Man, I've seen him in something something like like that would jump out to me not like oh he was in that and like oh there it is yeah and i, I mm-hmm. couldn't find it maybe he just looks like somebody like trip said oh oh that's where i remember him from the the butler played the old man who had the thoughts and the penny for your thoughts that dick york's character kept was thinking was going to rob the bank oh yeah ah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, pops up the, the archie was uh no is it archie not Archie. Yeah. The lawyer. The, well, he was the doctor. He's Dr. Smith, right? Yep. That he was. Yeah. One other thing was about that... this episode was um, it was at least by the trivia, it says that it's one of four episodes um that notably yeah. contains no science fiction or fantasy elements. Yeah. I was gonna say it was the other one, the fever, because that just completely threw all logic out the window. <laughs> well, I'd say they're I think they probably some... consider that. I, I know, I know. Yeah, so, just a little bit. The power, the, the power of of gambling, you know. Well, the power like of gambling compels you. Yep, exactly. Um, no, uh, Ciro Levante uh, was a knight of the a knight of the iguana. Is that what it was called? Ah, knight okay. With um, oh, what's his name? Richard. Sounds like a Sunday night in my bedroom. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was Richard, Richard Harris. He was with Richard Harris in Night of the Iguana. No, Richard Burton. Oh yeah, Richard Burton. Sorry, wrong. Oh. Yeah, and then uh, he was in uh, Swell and Green. Was he was um, he uh, made of people too? Uh, yeah, he looks like he's old enough to look like he was eating people or something like that. I don't know. That's what she um, said. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> uh, but to, to get in this episode, 
Real quick before uh, we get into that, I do no. have one major oh, one major issue with this off the bat. Doctor Who did not show up at all. Mm, Doctor Wait, what? There, there's a Doctor Who episode called The Silence, and it's like these creepy. Oh, yeah. With oh, alien, is that one with the angels? The alien no. looking things. Yeah. Oh. Like faceless aliens. aliens. Yeah. Matt Smith there. Oh. Yep. Okay. Some I was thinking of the that... one the angels, the uh No, that's they're just called the weeping the angels. Weeping angels. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that shit scares the fuck out of me, by the way. The weeping angels. I think it was actually you they know, took it we too talked... far and they lost some of their mystique. Well, that's they true. Later on. It's but funny it because out. um the Weeping Angels episode I thought was like creepy as fuck. And then I realized like as we, we talked about this before, but I was thinking like uh you know it'd be nice, just send me back to the like the I don't know, the early nineties when inflation wasn't like a major problem and we yeah. everything seemed to be somewhat even though even though there was still like a lot of crazy shit in the nineties, I think it would have you know, just send me back to like the nineties, send me back to the fifties, I don't care. Send me back to a time Google and Amazon stock. Yeah, exactly. I'm gonna be like the the guy in uh, Time Cop, where John Claude Van Damme comes he back to get his partner. Gun. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the Wall Street guy. Yeah, could have been a brighter day. Anyways, so the Silence is a episode that is about a bunch of rich people who are not really rich people, but yeah, I guess you call them rich people who uh, basically are at this club. This uh, um, I don't know. It's kind of like a a gentleman's club is that the best way to put it like yeah it'd be club. a gentleman's yeah, club i and just put club in parentheses because i could i was like what kind of club would this be like a uh what do they call it what are the, what are the it's a gentleman's club oh, that's yeah. proper like it's a it's a i guess when i think gentleman's club i think of a strip club but maybe that's just me but um yeah sure yeah. Like <laughs> smoking lounge yeah. of it, true. is it the same <laughs> one from the abe lincoln time travel episode it probably they probably filmed at the same time they're like we'll just reuse this ad we'll film an episode for like three years from now it'll be fine it's yeah. still good it's like the pig was. in the simpsons it's still good it's still good <laughs> um, well and i think the thing of note with these guys is from the from the start they may not be rich they might just be um of note like they well, could be a, rich <laughs> no very true but you know they could just be of note they may not be of you know Triv, I'm yes. gonna buy. Where, where, where is the bar button for Triv? I'm, I'm uh, watching that angel, Triv. Can I, can I reject? Can I reject Triv for this, this podcast? <laughs> yeah, oh, you don't Triv. like my wings and extra hands? Uh, it looks like, like someone's like. Looks like the the angels like really excited for your back or some shit. I don't well, know what's going on. that's the hope. On. Yeah, that, that's I give the... you a back scratch, back scratcher. <laughs> oh, that'd be nice. I'd be happy with that. Um, yeah. I mean, it, yeah, they're, they're people of note, but not necessary and and of proper breeding, but that yeah. doesn't necessarily that that doesn't assume wealth from from generally. I I don't know if there. I I'm pretty sure there's maybe there's trivia. I'm pretty sure it's not trivia, but. Uh, we're introduced to Liam Sullivan's character Jamie, who's a much, very much a gossiper. He talks a lot. Uh, he's just like on and on and on. And they do a, a thing where they did in um, uh, Scrooge, where uh, uh, John, um, fuck the 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 guy that played the the main head guy in uh, Gremlins Two, John um, John Glover oh. is that his name? Yeah, John Glover. John mm-hmm. Glover and they do the thing where he's talking and you see like uh Bill Murray's you see Bill Murray's eyes I saw what you did Trip. you see Bill Murray's <laughs> eyes um like light up before he freaks out that's the same thing that's happening here the they do like a close-up a shot of uh Jamie's face yeah, yeah and his ears just like, like moving on its own it's pretty great stuff but uh 
I, I kept thinking of this 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 gentleman's club like from uh trading places i was just waiting for because it, it's very similar you have these crotch you have this crotchety old like guy who seems to have money and he wants to and then we find out he wants to place a bet with this uh up and coming young kid or young guy who seems to always ask for money so i was thinking it was like don amici's character or something like that and you had uh what's his face uh, uh dan Aykroyd or something like that but basically what ends up happening is he he calls his lawyer who's played by uh jonathan harris who's plays george and jonathan harris's character the lawyer is like this is a very bold risky thing are you sure you want to do this and that's when they bring this triv what are you doing i see what you're doing i may not i may be talking but i see what you're doing you oh man so with that said uh archie's character I, I kept calling him archie but he's like he calls him mr taylor but anyways his name is archie he approaches uh thomas or tennyson's character and offers him this bet he says i am tired of you talking i'm tired of you being asking for money all the time i will give you what is an insane uh, we we talked about i think last week uh, during the riff and winkle yeah. caper how how that's much money what is what's that that's not what he says he says Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> oh my god, that's hilarious! Um, that's like, I'm tired of your. That's all the names like, you just cut to that scene. <laughs> the one in uh, Jack Nicholson and Mars Attacks. Yes. <laughs> shut up! Shut up! Shut up! Oh, that guy in uh, the terrible movie with Jamie Kennedy where he's the rapper. Oh God, Malibu's most wanted. Malibu's, yeah, and he's like <laughs> rapping, and like the other gangster guys, like, stop, stop, stop. stop. <laughs> Do like, uh, what's his face from Network? I'm mad as hell. I can't take, like it anymore. take it anymore. Doing it live. Um, Fuck it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, basically everything we just talked about. That's what basically uh, Archie is. He's he's pissed off and he can't take it anymore. And he basically gives this note. This note is given to him by the the Franklin character, the Franklin character. And uh, basically, Tom Tennyson is like, uh, "What are you? What are you implying?" And it basically boils down to, "I will give you five hundred thousand dollars if you remain silent and shut the fuck up for one year." And but the the rules and stipulations of <laughs> exactly <laughs> shut up, shut up, <laughs> shut up. Yeah, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> um i actually <laughs> i i do gotta ask you guys have you <laughs> have you guys oh, ever had a you gotta go on right? from such a tennyson basically is offered one year of, if he remains a year of silent in a wall glass wall directed room in the game room apparently this game room is gigantic and can fit a whole bedroom and i don't I know i don't know how big this that. yeah well yeah go ahead with your question because that gentleman's club is mighty big is it a target yeah. and it i is. looked i looked on this time and i was really looking and there's no bathroom and it's like a <laughs> yeah, full-on glass room and so yeah. i was like did they let him out to go to the bathroom or did he give him like a fancy bucket? <laughs> my, my question is: then Did they watch him in the bathroom? Would it take to house someone like that in that situation for a year? hundred oh, <laughs> percent. In that place, build er, erecting 
this glass structure <laughs> with all the stuff. And he said you could have whatever you want. Really, it could potentially cost five hundred thousand dollars to do that. Oh, to absolutely. Can, can we, we talk about the... all this money on building it? <laughs> yeah, it and it's like next how... week. Yeah, how how did they have it ready that quickly? It's like, oh, we've well, been planning this wink wink nudge nudge forever. It's not my sex dungeon, we, I swear it. Yeah, I was gonna say, can we talk about super secret societies? I mean, usually this kind of stuff is what you find in like a super secret gentleman society. Um the you might find like yeah, Freemasons <laughs> and uh other other societies that I may or may not know about. Um, anyways, uh so they may already have a glass case instructed, they may like have boxing matches down there they may like keep like you know sex workers down there you don't know what they do trip definitely sex workers yeah, yeah well they, they're all they're, they're all old you, guys there's no they it was pre-viagra so they couldn't get it up well i mean <laughs> have you seen have you seen uh that liam neeson sex slave movie or whatever it is uh yeah but that's called? modern that's not taken. from the 1960s yeah, they didn't have viagra they had to use a penis pump or nothing well, I mean, if you know anything about uh, you know Austin Powers, all you need is mojo. That's all you need. And a no, penis these pump. guys did penis not. Pump. Are you kidding? These guys were like the antithesis of mojo. I mean, it's true. It's very true. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. honey, stroke me with hundred dollar bills. Oh, baby, just a little bit more. <laughs> I can't get it up. Never mind. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. They're but dusty, anyways, if anything. Um. Anyway, so Tennyson t- is taken a little bit back by this, but he's like, you know, fuck it. I'll do it. We'll start tomorrow. Wrecked your yeah. game club room with a wall. What's that? No. Oh, yeah, I know. I know. Trust me. I'm getting there. But um, anyways, with that said, he he agrees to the, the wager. But I, I don't know how you guys feel about this, but this may be the most insane, crazy, and most wonderful use of not only the Twilight Zone music, but a Rod Serling's like, chaotic nature about how he writes his opening narrations it was amazing i think i think of all the narrations i've heard so far i think this is actually because they use the twilight zone music yeah they use it multiple times too yeah and i might put it when jacob gets ready to read opening narration i'm gonna make i make him a note for myself now i'm putting that that music in there unless it's copyrighted it isn't it son of a bitch i can't do that if you you pitch shift it you can use it yeah i'll just speed up i'll speed run it. it No, just pitch shifted a bit. They've, they've hit me with a copyright strike for that Mortal Kombat theme on so many videos. I always dude. Wanted. I I yeah, I was gonna say I never had issues because I pitch shifted it oh. slightly and then sped it up slightly. Well, um, when he he, ten, not Tennyson, uh, Archie Taylor, uh-huh. yeah, Archie, yeah, he says like he's he's my fucking hero. He walks up to this annoying guy who's just like talking non fucking stop, and they're going over this deal, and he's like, well, what? Why would you say this to me? You kind of feel bad for the guy because it's like his feelings are hurt or something. Because like in front of everybody told him to shut the fuck up. And he just says, I dislike you intensely, Tennyson. I was like, yes, that guy. Do you know how many people <laughs> in my life I just wanted to walk up and say that to? I think I'm going to just start saying that to people because there's a I lot of people. dislike you. <laughs> and also I wanted to comment on when he says, uh, Tennyson tells him, well, okay, I'll do it, but give me... I, I can't remember. I think he said he wants a check or something certified, and he, mm. he, he basically he's certified. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He wants proof that you know you got the money and all that. And I got the money, honey. If you got the time, it's like you don't got the money. <laughs> nope. Archie says, "I don't know how they run things. This isn't a a fish market or a porn shop." <laughs> no. 
Uh, was it porn or pawn? I swear, I'm pretty sure he said pawn, but it sounded just like he said this is in a fish market or a porn shop. Like, <laughs> that would have been interesting to have this set in a porn shop. That would have been quite interesting for a 60s show. <laughs> um, yeah. You guys in your flashy imagery. I swear. Uh, oh, Jesus. Um, yeah, I know. Oh, Jesus Christ. I know we've got to, I know we've got to head ourselves. Would you guys stop? Son of a bitch. <laughs> But anyways, I know we've gotten ahead of ourselves on the uh, she said. Yeah, on the opening narration of this uh, episode, but I, I want to talk about it like a little bit ahead of before we talk about opening narration. Uh, but the opening narration is uh, quite good. And uh, Jacob, have at it. Thank you, my good sir. The note that this man is carrying across the club room is in the form of a proposed wager. But it's the kind of wager that comes without precedent. It stands alone in the annals of bet making as the strangest game of chance ever offered by one man to another in just a moment we'll see the terms of the wager and what young mr tennyson does about it and in the process we'll witness all parties spin a wheel of chance in a very bizarre casino called the twilight zone oh man some good stuff adding a little bit of twilight zone music anal you know, yeah <laughs> the anal. yeah yeah the anal um, I do like that uh, in this episode, they also use like the um, the spinning, uh, was it like the spinning stuff they use at the beginning uh, for the intro to the Twilight Zone. They use a portion of it and like, like kind of like the countdown to when Tennyson is in the box. And there's like that like quick shot of like the opening to the Twilight Zone series. Oh, yeah. The kind one. of misty stuff. Yeah. 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 Which I. The stars. That, yeah it's not stars i know what you're talking about though it's like a misty right right um but basically tennyson takes up the offer and he is in the block he said we'll do it tomorrow night i just gotta get my affairs in order apparently he has a wife that uh is used (laughs) very prominently yeah yeah yeah, which is i don't know how i i I guess i guess the question well that's what we're talking about yeah exactly well (laughs) Well, at first, when oh, I didn't realize he had a wife, but like how it's used is actually kind of brilliant later on because we find out like a little bit about his wife. About actually, no, it is before the act break. His wife, he talks about his wife because uh, the lawyer goes up to him. He's like, just don't do this. You know, it, it won't be good. And he's like, well, my wife has expensive taste and we're we're broke and all oh, this good stuff. And- <laughs> exactly. Um but before, actually, I, I'll ask you guys this before we get into like when he goes down to the glass box of emotion. What do you guys think about this? Because like it, the setup for Archie is he's angry. He's pissed off at Tennyson because the guy will not shut the fuck up. He is, you know, a, a, as you guys have alluded to, he's like, shut up, shut up, shut up. You know, you can see that kind of running through his head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tennyson is a guy who he seems to... He's like the guy, he's like Marty McFly in the Back to the Future, where if you call him chicken, he'll he'll like fly off the handle at the or he'll take it, you know, take the bed or whatever. And he's willing to do it. Yeah. And then he, we hear find out about his wife. We find out he he's always asking for money. But what do you guys think about this setup? Like overall, what do you think about how it starts to kind of unfold before we even get to the because once again, 24 minute episode, you have to there this episode is doing a lot, but for this setup, what do you guys think overall? And I'll start with you, Rob. What do you think? I think they build it up really good because right off the bat, you have um, Tennyson just kind of running his mouth and just the cutaways that you see from, from the other people around him, 
just kind of almost avoiding him or ignoring him. You can, they kind of already established that he's kind of this goof that nobody really cares about. And you just get the sense that he's one of those guys that just runs off and says whatever he can. And then, and then um, what's the main characters or the, uh, the old man's name, Uh, Archie, 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 Archie bunker, Archie bunker. And when Archie bunker is like, talking about how you know he tries to borrow money from people and he's a crook and everything it really kind of sets up later that makes him seem even more hypocritical because he's also broke and he's just you know claiming the same thing about him he's just kind of a i don't want to call him selfish because you can kind of understand from one point that he just wants quiet while this guy's just running off at the mouth and really in the beginning you see Archie is more of the protagonist. Like you're, you kind of side with him more because he, because uh, Denison, Tennyson just looks, uh, or just seems like annoying. Yeah. yeah. Like somebody that just is going to tell you whatever they can to make themselves look better. Yeah. And you can kind of see like, even through the small amounts, like the, the nature of the old generation versus the new generation, even though this is the sixties. So, Tennyson's like view of everything would be like completely uh alien to what we view but you can kind of see like the old versus new Rishi uh, I think that's how you pronounce it uh type of thing where he t- t- Taylor's like he was a colonel I-, I I'm guessing he was in the military they call him the colonel or maybe they- it's just a nickname for him but you see it with between him and you see like how uh Tennyson is that more like you know uh suave you know swashbuckling type of guy who even though he's a con artist, he's very much like the the charisma guy. He's like, as stupid as it sounds, he's kind of like how The Rock can kind of secure money every time he turns around to make shitty movies. And this is what this guy does. And that's kind of where I look at it. But uh, I mean, I'll go to you and Jacob or Triv, whoever wants to go next. I and mean, what do you guys think about the kind of opening stuff? Uh, I <laughs> So from a, Triv go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> honestly, I, I looked at this and it's like, conflict but resolution was not their thing because i guarantee you there are probably better options and all i could see was a bunch of stupid ass men you know throwing their dicks around well yeah because they're all cheering it on yeah. they're like oh. <gasps> well, and even that, it was just like there was and i know that's bet. not the point of it by any stretch but like common sense was not present in this room in any way shape or form yeah any of and that's not the point by any stretch but God, I just was sitting there like, okay, if it's bugging you that much, come it off hours. You know, you you're retired. You're clearly, you know, you got means. Go, yeah, you're gonna spend fifty thousand dollars on this, you know, ready-made sex dungeon thing that you got in the games room. I mean, you know, why cause yourself that much stuff? I don't know, uh, but no, the, the, quiet. Exactly, from the perspective of the way that they set it up, it was very well done um yeah there, there's no complaints as far as like you know he threw down a gauntlet and you know uh Tennyson felt the need to pick it up because you know he was told that he wasn't liked and he's like i dislike you intensely you are the bane of my existence you bastard shame shame, shame. you didn't will Tennyson fuck around say, and you will find out didn't Tennyson say something like if this wasn't a gentleman's club or something i would take you outside or something along those lines take you i will take your wife out or i will take your mother out for dinner or i will treat your mother to a nice dinner and then i will not call her the next day 
exactly. you weren't such a gentleman, I would shake your hand <laughs> intensely. So with that said, we come after this whole thing and uh, the opening narration and everything. Basically, the rest of the episode is Tennyson in a glass case of emotion with every amenity because basically Archie's character offers him anything he wants. He just can't fucking talk for a year. And when this episode, when we find Tennyson, he's been in there for about nine weeks, I think at this point or close to it. And as true, I think one, I can't remember who said it earlier. One of the, one basically what happens is Archie asks Franklin, like, how's he been eating? He says he has, he has, it was, it was okay for the first couple of weeks. Now he's flying back to normal. And basically before the act break is just kind of, you know, just Tennyson in a room and art. And of course, uh, Archie kind of watches uh, with, you know, cautious emotion or whatever. You know, he thinks he's not going to last more than like a couple more weeks or whatever. But so, uh, fucking about his wife. Well, yeah, that and happens after the act break. But, uh, yeah, exactly. But basically, yeah. There were four uh, police officers uh, the other day. <laughs> <laughs> she was a star of uh, bang them, hang them and tag them. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> oh, actually, the OnlyFans. Yes. <laughs> um, actually, back act, in the day. Let's say the act break actually happens before he sits down. In the, so we talked about everything that led up to that. But yeah, so basically, like, as you guys were saying, after the act break happens, we talked about, like, you know, the lead up and the, the setup and stuff like that. You know, the, a little bit of everything that happens, like, you know, Tennyson talks about his rich spending wife and stuff like that. It's, she, as Jacob has alluded to, a gold digger, it seems like at this point. She ain't um, dealing with no broke, broke. Yeah. Can, can, can I ask you guys this question? Okay. Uh, uh, Jacob, <laughs> I know you're married. Rob, I, I know you're married. Um, I, I, I got to ask you guys, you guys love your wives. I know this for a fact. I've talked to you many times. You have, let's say you, let's say you're in the situation like Tennyson's in, and you have a wife that likes to spend it. Like, you know, all these, you know, really expensive places, uh, buy expensive jewelry and handbags and stuff like that. How, if you're in Tennyson's situation and Tennyson's, logic and reasoning would you be i mean let's say your wife wanted to go out and start spending a lot of money i'm pretty sure you guys would put kind of a stop to that wouldn't you would you be like care like like how, how do you feel well, about what tennyson says because like i i've known people who are kind of um they're whipped and they're kind of broken by their kind of yeah by, by either their husband or their wife who is very much like that type of that type of thing but I'm pretty sure, I, I, at least I, I don't know your wives at all, but or, uh, for the most part, but I'm pretty sure, like, they're not, you guys are, have a handle maybe on this situation. I don't, I don't know. I, I know, I don't know if that makes any sense, but I mean, it feels like tennis is like, man, you've seen what's yeah. behind this green screen. I'm the one with the spending problem. <laughs> <laughs> she so probably should be her this question. No, I know. No, but I, but I gotta ask, like, this this type of thing that happens do you do you feel sorry for him or do you feel like it's his own fault for allowing this to happen like what do you think i mean Trev, I mean, you can you can say what you think too because i know you feel, had relationships and stuff but I feel for the guy because i mean i guess that's a form of love you know he wants to make her happy she have whatever she wants and all this and that but yeah you're right i mean i as some of you know i've been married one other time before and had this problem and uh yeah that kind of thing will in all honesty, will, you know, un unchecked craziness like that, that will hurt a relationship for sure. Whether you get it in check or not, it really depends on the person, you know? Yeah. 
You can tell yeah. someone ten times in a row to do something, and if they don't yeah. want to do it, because we, we don't do know anything about his wife, that character. Mm. Is she a straight up gold digger? Is she just a nice lady who likes to spend money, or is she like play on his clear, you know, affection for her and 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 use that to her advantage to get what she wants? We don't know. So, I mean, well, I, I got to say this: I think that's kind of interesting to have something like that because. If it, as we've watched and you guys have seen, and Rob, I'm sure you've seen this as well. Whenever there's a character, whenever there's like a, a wife or a husband or whatever that you know, depending on where they they're shifting to, you always have that other character there. But her, in this in this episode, it's mainly focused on these particular characters, and they do talk about the wife as we learn after the act break. But what's really interesting is she's only mentioned by as a ploy, as a device, instead of like who she really is, which shows that like they're able to restrain or able to refrain themselves from going that extra mile of making her like super crazy or super, you know, important to the the role. And I, I, that's, I don't know how you guys feel about that, but I found that kind of interesting. Just I wish we got it, more of that. I thought we were. Yeah. More of the, not just that, but more of the, uh, Archie Taylor trying to more of his little ways of trying to uh, get Tennyson to break. It really just yeah. comes in. With yeah, that was a good wife's been yeah, kind of know, devil on his shoulder. Kind her, of she's been getting trains run on her whole thing and all that. But I mean, like I figured he was going to come in like how he said, you know, she hadn't visited you once and you've written to her. I figured we were going to find out like he was keeping those letters or something. And I not, wouldn't be they surprised getting to her or maybe mm-hmm. she tried and he wouldn't let her or, you know, I, I was wanting to see some of the like sneaky conniving things that taylor was doing well, presumably doing to uh try and break tennyson but i didn't get any of that and i thought that would have been cool for the wife that would have made sense why we never saw her or heard anything about her i mean i, I guess it makes got, sense as it is but you know i sort of got the impression and I, without giving the twist away but the links that he went to to try to get the money and that he talks about her spending problem but he seems to not be wanting to stop it yeah. and yet she doesn't visit him once seems like it's sort of a relationship that's not balanced like he like one-sided yeah like he's really obsessed with her and we'll do we'll go to like extreme lengths to do whatever she needs to get whatever she needs how much but she's just like i just want the money back alley <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean we're well, talking about like, like all these people are saying they need money but they're doing these things that cost a lot of money yeah <laughs> well that's a, that's the funny part um it, it's and like are they the, paying for her lifestyle throughout the year that's a good that's point. true good he's question. not working yeah, whatever he does for money yeah that yeah. that's the funny thing about once I, I go back to uh trading places they spend the 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 two the two old men the don amici and i can't remember the other guy's name the two uh the guys that run the company stafford or walford and stafford or Statler. yeah 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 uh basically they do they 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 put all they pump all this money into uh you know eddie murphy's character and they pump all this money to ruin dan Aykroyd's character and yet they only spend a dollar on the bet. It's the same thing here. Like they put all this money into the effort of like the glass box and, you know, all this stuff. And really when it comes down to it, Archie never had any fucking money. He lost all his money. And that's why I like compare the two, because it's just like, 
you know, the rich people talk a big game and they use that ability of like how smooth and how, you know, charismatic they are. But underneath, they may not be exactly what you expect. And that's what's so great about Archie's character and how he's written is he comes off as like this grumpy old aristocrat individual who is, is basically conning this guy into doing something that he doesn't think is going to win because you know if, if if it's if you think about it if you see this guy who loves to talk a lot you know he's not going to last i mean that's what that's why the ending is that's why the twist ending is so so brilliant is the simple fact that it's like he you know as we see and you know as we see the as the episode moves along Archie does everything in his power to he offers him a thousand dollars he offers him five thousand dollars he offers he basically goes him into thinking his I mean we don't know but he goes him into thinking his wife is basically a hussy or a slut or something like that is you know a uh, yeah, you know a hua well that's like that. kind of the Twilight Zone the way it handles a lot of its women characters to start with so they're either well, yeah, that, rude or whatever yeah the, exactly but that, yeah, they're buying all the Tupperware and shit yeah <laughs> They're running, they're running Jacob over in our intro, you know, that type of thing. <laughs> no, but like, I, I, I guess I got to ask you guys that question. Do you think that having the wife be used as kind of a pawn piece, even, depending on if she did this or not, if he's just using it because he's trying to get him out of this box, we see it's having a, actually, a, as we see from Jonathan Harris's character, an actual effect on the character himself, you know, the way he's like sweating and freaking out and stuff like that. Do you think that was... Um, a good use of the character that is the wife that we don't ever see or hear or is even cast in this movie or do you think it's a bad use like what do you guys think about that because it's it's an important part to you know archie's kind of overarching character as a human as a as a you know piece of this this thing as much I as i would th- like to have seen something of the wife quite honestly it didn't need it if she had yeah. shown up i don't know what she would have really added to it it might have broken him down further though like yeah. His resolve was based on the fact that it was him versus Archie. That that's kind of what it came down to. He said his <laughs> he said his lack of or he he said his jaw and that was kind of where it stopped. And he wanted to prove that Archie's silver tongue wasn't enough to kind of, you know, manipulate him to change his ways. If his wife would have come in, I think that would have like lessened his resolve, which would yeah, have been I, interesting, but I agree. I don't think she was necessarily needed. I think if you did bring her in, if you were going to say, oh, we're going to bring her in, I think it, it would, would have been one of the few episodes that would have benefited from the, what was it, one season that they did hour length episodes? Four. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, maybe this is one episode where, I don't know if an hour, but I think you could expand a lot on him being oh, terrorized yeah. by Archie and all that. But I don't think as it, as it stands, I don't think you necessarily need it, but I think it does make you question like, it's been a year and where and she hasn't visited once. So because once they get to the glass room part, which you think is going to be the crux of the episode, it goes by pretty quick. Yeah. They have like one conversation and then it's over. (laughs) I mean, the stay is over. I like the superimposing of the time going by the months. (laughs) That was pretty clever, but which I mean, what they'd be showing you. I think that that's, that would be one way you would, that would have been an interesting way to expand upon the episode to show some of the stuff that happened during that time. And like I said earlier, some of the ways that the receipts uh, Taylor was piling up from. Yeah, the there you go. Yeah. <laughs> the, the funny thing is I kind of wonder the portage <laughs> or whatever. Right. I, I was, I was kind of wondering if maybe like Tennyson told his wife, you know, just 
you know, maybe we'll be swingers. It is the six. It is the early days of the sixties. Maybe we'll swing. You can go go out. But then again, he was like acting. Maybe it was like all a ploy from Tennyson to you know keep his his secret and stuff like that. But you know, or he's like he's never. She's never visited, and it's like, but there's no women allowed in this club. Well, there you go. <laughs> it's like it's like the Simpsons. Uh, no homers allowed, or something like that, or the. <laughs> He man woman haters club or something yeah, shit. There you go. I feel bad that he but, didn't get the chance to leave like that space. Like that would have, you know, set up the glass elevator or the glass thing so he could like, you know, go out on a boat, which you know he's still inside the glass thing. I mean, you could have given him a companion and let him roamed around and you know still have they, the same they, result. They should have done Bubble Boy. Why couldn't they there have done go. Bubble Boy? They should have exactly. done exactly. Yeah. One, one thing that's that I had to like constantly remind myself of when they're like, Oh, we're going to be monitoring you 24 seven. Like immediately in my mind, I'm thinking, Oh, they got microphones and cameras around and stuff like that. But then I remember, Oh, it's the sixties. So they actually have to have a person somewhere (laughs) following them around, even into the bathroom, listening, going, you're not talking in there. Are you? I hear a bunch of moaning. Does that count as talking? (laughs) Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm I don't know. This is baby talking. I'm not really sure. Keeps a blow up doll in there or something. Not exactly yeah. words, but a smacking thing. Yeah. Yeah, they 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 pull a space balls where you just see the crew behind the camera just run out with the the, the boom mic and the microphone. Just like <laughs> as he's going to the bathroom, you see the mic just go Mr. Taylor yeah. is uh, a word. <laughs> <laughs> but you I know, was thinking. Um, I, 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 yeah, yeah. I did in fact make that note. I said eight minutes in, but the other way I saw this episode could be going, and I was like, "Yeah, it's highly unlikely, but it'd be great if like he does it, take it what he actually did. Say that didn't happen, and he does it, and he makes it, and he gets to the end. He's like, "Ha ha, I won!" And he's like, "And we think he won, and all this." And then the old man's like, "Oh, but you didn't." And we hear like he like plays a tape from the microphone. Oh yeah, he's talking. He's like, "You were talking in your sleep or something." <laughs> <laughs> I'm redigging the deal. This was the or first comes, night you were there. <laughs> the old man comes in and he set all the clocks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's like, but you did. Yeah, that would have been actually, Twilight Zone right there. That would have been some, you, yeah. they set the clocks forward straight or uh, like a day or something. Forward, yeah. An hour. No, two, <laughs> 10 minutes. <laughs> it, it's like I the, set it forward two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that Richard Pryor movie where he's given like a certain amount of money to spend in like, was it a year or something like that? Mr. D's millions. Yeah. Yeah, Brewster's millions. And then the, the two guys they're scheming against him keep like what five dollars or whatever that he he it's like that type of thing, you know. Uh tennis or Taylor Archie was like, fuck this guy. I'm setting the clocks back. I'm setting it back, I'm taking it back. <laughs> oh man. But with that said, we get close to the end. He's he's been goading him on for however long this episode, however long it's been going on, saying your wife's wife's a gold digger, she's you know, been with several guys, and um it it leads to the end where basically uh, Jonathan Harris kind of if I remember that's right John Harrison approaches says you're gonna owe this guy money if if he wins mm-hmm. the clock rings and uh, Tennyson enters the room a free man from the bet everyone claps he holds out his hand for the check let me, let me know if I'm forgetting anything but basically the lawyer he enters very proudly too he's like I know. yeah he he's just like super excited he's won five hundred thousand dollars and like I said the lawyer's been. Lawyers actually been kind of our, our conscious to the entire episode. He's like, Archie, you've destroyed yourself. It's a year. How the hell are you going to pay this guy? You know, as we know, he's not going to, but what's great is he holds out his hand for the check and Archie goes, Archie, 
I had sex with your wife. She took all the money. <laughs> I don't have the five hundred thousand dollars anymore. No, she don't really say that. But she, he basically, he basically says, "I'm a fraud. I am not who I say I am. I lost all my money. I don't have five hundred five hundred thousand dollars." And that would have been fine if you know if if Jamie or Tennyson had opened his mouth and said, "You motherfucker," blah blah blah, choked him to death, whatever. That would have been an interesting payoff because, Keep like I said, my wife's name out your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> actually that's that's the premise for bad boys 2 is just i made a joke to someone that the premise for bad boys 2 is just him uh, slapping chris rock every five minutes bad boys for life <laughs> like burning um, Megan hit a state exactly <laughs> he just in the, in the train station <laughs> oh yeah actually doesn't uh don't they do that in airplane we just starts punching everyone yes um, okay, so but everybody's confused about why Tennyson hasn't opened his mouth, why he hasn't said anything, why he isn't like yelling at Archie, and Archie's confused too. Well, the reason I said this last week that this episode is uh kind of one of the great twists, one of the great endings. And Rob, I haven't even mentioned it. I've let you know Rob's wearing an ascot. One of the great moments in this episode is the fact that the hidden idea and twist is hidden in plain sight. And the simple fact that this guy is wearing an ascot, Tennyson is wearing an ascot, is very important to storytelling aspects. The idea that the things you don't think about or see, this is why the idea of red and the sixth sense is so important to that storytelling aspect is because of the simple fact that it tells you everything you need to know. You could kind of figure out that Bruce Willis, you know, spoiler, you know, 25 years later or whatever, that Bruce Willis is dead just from the simple opening because there's the shot, he gets shot in the way. Uh, I'm sorry. He doesn't die. He lives. You bastard. <laughs> no, I haven't, you haven't seen, seen that movie. Yet. I know. Oh, We're actually talking to Rob from 1998. So, <laughs> uh, but but anyways, the, the great moment, the great thing about that kind of twist or the idea is the idea of red and the idea of like how that plays out and how but this was in black co- and white. There was no red. No, no I, I realized that. Right. Thank you. The, like like our episode. No, anyways, the, my point being, there are. <laughs> pieces and thoughts played out that the director and the cinematographer and the writer Rod Sterling have placed into this episode that had, I'm trying to make a point here. Thank you. <laughs> the point I was making throughout this entire episode, there are pieces laid out, which makes great storytelling. Rob, Rob, you know, this, the play, like the idea of storytelling and stuff like that. Well, he's wearing an ascot through the entire half of this episode. And you're like, you know, it is the sixties. They are known for wearing that kind of stuff. So you don't think about it, but when Tennyson basically writes out a note and gives it to Archie, we find out why he's wearing the ascot. And this is why I love this episode so much. He has dun, dun, dun explosions, whatever you want to say, severed his fucking vocal cords. Therefore he can't talk. Thank you, Jacob. I always can, I always can, uh, (laughs) <laughs> have you for uh, uh explosions whatever that word is and first person said it to me but thanks <laughs> you're welcome uh, but anyways therefore but the problem is he's not getting the money he lost everything he was in a room for a year he severed his vocal cords therefore he can never talk again let's say i don't know if they have surgery for vocal cords which i don't think they do and basically his va- vanity and his <laughs> my throat, <laughs> <My> throat <broke. laughs> uh, but, have you tried but turning it off and turning it back on sir <laughs> have you cleared yeah. your cookies and your cash yeah his his uh his uh his knob will never go to 11 ever again you know that yeah, type of thing that's what she said uh, his, no- his knob will never go <laughs> his to speaker, 11 his speaker box <laughs> <laughs> but but basically his vanity and his his uh 
arrogance because he's very arrogant. He's always asking for money has led him to, uh, as we'll hear about in the closing narration, led him to ruin and Archie's led to ruin and all. And basically in the end, they're, they're this, they're the same person. They're arrogant. They're, you know, characters that are lying to get what they want. And because he has credit, you know, credit, Archie has credit that gives him the ability to scam people into doing this. And it makes, it basically makes, you know, it doesn't matter if you're rich, poor, whatever, you, if you are not true to your word, you are looked upon as a, a I can't remember what that word's called as a pariah, I guess. They're pariahs in the in the end. And you know, it leads it leaves with that. It leaves with this guy severing his vocal cords, which is to me one of the greatest endings in Twilight Zone history. Because you're thinking, why you know, this guy talks to the entire episode and it's brilliant because it allows this character to not talk. But why is he not talking? And then you have the ascot. I I, I don't know. I I like I gush about this episode as you guys can tell, but I mean, what do you guys think about that yourself? Like in general, just as a closing and just how it kind of structures itself. That was very, uh, what's the one, the pig face people. Oh, uh, eye of the, the eye of the beholder. Yeah. That was very eye of the beholder in its reveal. So it had that same kind of dun, 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 big reveal that like, holy shit. I just wish I hadn't. Yeah. I don't know if I guessed it because of the time I live in, if in 1961, I would have guessed that, but, and maybe I'm not saying I'm like, Oh, I can guess all things. I usually don't. Maybe I, it just something popped out to me and I said, yep, cut his vocal cords. Or I said, remove his voice box, but you know, whatever. That kind of took away from it a little bit, but it was still, I mean, I still really liked it. I thought it was a cool, oh shit, haha, like, oh, you're both fucked <laughs> kind of moment. I don't know. I guess the old man's kind of in the same spot he was before, except, you know, his pride was hurt. He's just kind of like, eh, I didn't have no money yesterday and I still don't. <laughs> well, at least I can talk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Now I'm going to go talk to your wife. He's <laughs> <laughs> my non-Viagra powered dick. Yeah, I thought, it was, I thought it was really well done. And I like those kind of sudden reveals. Those uh, I don't know if it'd be an ironic. Oh, yeah, I guess it's an ironic twist of fate to a degree. But, you know, those sudden reveals that change everything like that. I, I like those. Those are the best Twilight Zone episodes, I think. It takes it back to his greed in the beginning where he was doing whatever he or he was saying whatever he could to get money mm-hmm. and then in this he was gonna do whatever he could to make sure that he got this money i guess in a in a sense like, i'd kind of consider that he cheated a bit to like yeah, surprise nobody said that you know even if he got even if the, he had the money if they found out he cut his vocal cords i'd feel like they'd go oh no you cheated because Rob, that was that was the next line of the dialogue that they cut out as Rod's Rod was talking to Mike. <laughs> the next guy was like, Rod, I was gonna tell him he cheated. What are you doing? Stop talking. <laughs> that's why that's why the episode just ends so quick. I know. <laughs> uh Triv, what do you think? Yeah, it's a solid ending. Um, very what we've come to um, imagine twi- or Twilight Zone to be like the very, like, and we talked about it last week too. The very best episodes are the ones that kind of hit you out of nowhere, leave you with that ending that makes you go, oh, oh, wow. I, you know, even if you suspected twice. it, yeah, it, it's still a thing where it, it, it kind of catches Once you off guard, makes you think and all that stuff, you know. I mean, it's one of those things where it wasn't a happy ending. You know, everybody kind of got their their just desserts, really. Well, let me ask you guys this. Would this be an episode that if somebody were to, like, give me some episodes for the Twilight Zone, would this be one of those you would recommend as, like, one of the first ones they should watch? I don't know if it would be, like, one off the top of my head. I would, like, if you said, oh, name five. 
yeah. don't know if it would necessarily be one of the five, I would say. But if someone said, well, what about silence? I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's a good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check that one out, too, definitely. Ten, maybe. I did like, I mean, I, I, I did really like this episode. I thought it was well, very well put together, very well performed and everything. I just, it sucks I picked it out before it got there. <laughs> Well, actually, let me ask you, let me ask you this, Jacob, as somebody, I mean, you, you're pretty good at kind of deciphering like what's going to happen. I've kind of figured that out, which is not a bad thing. I think it's just the nature of how you can kind of distill storytelling and stuff like that. Well, I'm, <laughs> but I mean, just yeah, for the most freak. part, I would say as someone like, you know, if you were to show this to, I don't know, your wife or a friend who doesn't kind of get this, do you think they would find the ending surprising or do you think they would be like, that sucks? Yeah. My wife, yes. I mean, nothing against her. I don't think she would have picked it, picked it out. Right. But I mean, I'm just also, I've been watching, and I don't know if I, if I wasn't watching every single episode of the Twilight Zone once a week, you know, to review, <laughs> I would have yeah. looked at it from that, if, if I may have just sat there and like taken it in. But I've, since I watch these, you know, every week, I've gotten in this groove of as soon as it starts, it's the Twilight Zone. As soon as it starts, it's okay. What's the angle? What's going on here? I try not to, but you can't help it. Your brain's just racing all yeah. over the place. It's like, oh, it could be this, could be that, could be this. Yeah, it's kind of like kinda when you're watching like a horror movie or like a, a detective movie or like a thriller. Yeah, you like kind of look for those angles. You watch like a, a, a like Knives Out or something like that. Uh, uh-huh. A murder mystery. You're trying to figure out who is it and why. Yeah, that's part of the fun. That happened to me with uh, the knock at the cabin. I was like, "What? What is the angle that M Night Shyamalan is going with this? With this film, yeah. Rob? Uh, same question for you. Like, would this? Like, if you were, I mean, I, you know the ending, but like, if you were to show this to someone you don't know, or you, you don't know, that'd be a bunch of people you don't know. But if you were to show this to someone you know that was kind of interested to watch it, do you think they would get the ending, or is it just clever enough to kind of catch you off guard? I think. I think it depends if I were to show it to just like um, somebody who's maybe not an avid movie person or just like a, yeah. like a general audience type. I think that they probably wouldn't expect that as much. I think because they do a good job at kind of throwing you off the track by putting it out there that this that Archie doesn't have the money or there's something going on there. And so they're going to say, oh, the twist is that he's not going to have the money. To pay. And I don't think mm-hmm. they may not expect that. I, there is... There are things there that that hint at what the the other twist is, but I think in general it would stump. I think a good percentage of people, and I would probably it'd be one that I would recommend. But like I don't think I'll probably remember the title now. But before it's one of those that I'd say, oh yeah, there's an episode where there's a bet about you know somebody I can't talk, but I don't remember what it is, and I'd have to go and Google it. Whereas something like Monsters are due on Maple Street or Will the Real Martian Please Stand Up. I can just remember those titles. But they also have very unique titles that go with that unique story. Whereas this is a unique story, but the title goes with it. But it's not quite as like as a prominent title that stands out to you. Like it's a really great episode, but it's without the, I think, the sci-fi or the horror elements to it. It probably doesn't jump out as much even though i do think it's like one of the top episodes yeah kind of like uh time enough at last that's always one that gets recommended just because of yeah. this ending yeah. like i said as we as we've gone along i realized my my personal feeling of twi- uh, time enough at last is like diminished quite a bit just because i still have problems with the suicidal nature of that episode but so the episode has a great ending but just like the episode that i championed for quite a while after we watched it was third from the sun is that the one yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah fucking fantastic ending like wow mind-blowing holy shit that's awesome 
but then when we get talking about it look at the rest of the episode you're like i mean nothing else really happens <laughs> it's like no it's all build up to that and the build up is just kind of i mean it's fine i enjoyed the episode and the same thing with time enough at last it's like everything else is like yeah it's fine it's okay but then the ending is like the ending is the whole thing the, the, the whole episode depends on the ending yeah exactly so with that I said this from was our, evenly killed right i was gonna yeah that's what i was gonna ask from our our angle of this episode i mean overall what did you guys think of it like you know we've been talking about it or i've I'm sorry. I've been talking a lot about it, but I know you guys have interjected and that's just because of my, my, my ecstatic nature for this episode. But what do you guys think overall of the episode? As far as rating or just, no, just, no, just in general, like, you know, you've talked about how much you enjoy it, but like when you think about the episode and kind of where it ends up playing out, like what is your overall feeling of the episode? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Rob, I love how you just have pacing notes. You're just like, either you're doing it really (laughs) quickly or you just have it just like there, which is awesome. I mean, it's I feel no like the, invaders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the title lets it down a bit and it, it it both covers what needs to be covered. But like Rob said, I, I didn't remember what this episode, like I know the episode well, but given the title, I wouldn't have picked it, this title out for this thing. So it does match it, but it doesn't. Um, As far as the episode goes, yes, it's a very, very solid episode. Like, you know, the, again, the, the idea that, it's not a happy ending. It's not a sad ending. It's not like an ironic ending. You know, both parties kind of get their comeuppance and that's kind of kind of unique for that time, I would think. Just kind of an oh fuck ending. <laughs> yeah. And just the the lack of like with Archie, the, the just the lack of, well, I'll, you know, resign, you know, and that's kind of where it ends. Like he's so matter of fact about it. Like he was the one that got so damn emotional about it in the start. And when it when things don't go his way, he's like, ah, you know, whatever. I'll go find Very another club. Yeah. You know, what would have kind of made an interesting twist um, that went along with um, Archie not having money is, and we already kind of touched on how much money was spent on putting this whole thing together. If they, they, they did the twist where the lawyer's more just concerned of the amount of money, but he ends up spending that $500,000 on the bet, which is why he doesn't have it in the end. Rather than yeah, he's just already broke. If he just like kept right. pouring money and money more and more like to get this, he's like, I'm going to get this guy. I'm going to make sure that he. That would actually would have been a good, that would have made it pretty interesting because, you know, the, the funny thing about this gentleman's club, you think everybody has wealth or in this gentleman club for a reason. And you find out this guy had no money. He's just in there because of his status as a human being. I think he uh, had money at one point. Yeah. Like grandfathered yeah. into the club yeah. yeah well the thing is about clubs like this it's more about status than it is money and you assume money just given the fact that it's a club and i think sterling really plays on that mm-hmm. you know if nothing else so he even said that for that five thousand dollars if you'd taken that i would have had to like start hoeing the streets you know so yeah. <laughs> yeah. i did find it interesting he's like what well, however <laughs> However far they were in six months or eight months or whatever, he's like, I'll give you a thousand bucks. And I know a thousand bucks back then was a lot more than what it is now. But can you imagine going through all that for six months and someone says, oh, I'll give you $10,000. It's like, you know, make it worth my while, you know? Well, that's why I think the, what I think is the genius about this episode is he, as, as Tennyson knows, he cut his vocal cords. So he's like, I'm in it for the long haul. Fuck yeah. I'm not going to, he, he, he would, 
if Tennyson had not cut his vocal cords, he would have taken that money in a heartbeat because there's no way he would have been able to stand. Like, I'm going to be honest with you, you know, $500,000 would be perfect for me. I would be a good amount of money to have, but I don't know being there a year. I guess he does get like everything, but it's just a simple fact that he knew he cut his vocal cords. He's like, God damn you motherfucker. You're going to offer me this money now. It's like, shit. Miller wife's got to do tricks on the side to, you know, to, to make up the extra money. And he did find out that he looks fantastic in an ascot absolutely i know you know i've yeah i think i think we should bring it back we're bringing it back jacob bring it back the ascot go ahead i'm right behind you yeah i mean (laughs) hey hey if mickey Rourke, if mickey Rourke can pull off what he pulls off in his day-to-day outfits hey bring back the ascot i guess um hashtag bring back the ascot (laughs) your guideline in life nice ascot (laughs) but with that said that is the silence season two episode 25 uh fantastic episode i think i think we all agree it's a it's a really good episode at least uh depending on where we put it is like where i'll uh where i'll cut the cut the cords of my vocal cords and never talk again but uh no kidding uh anyways with that said uh this closing narration is also pretty much a banger it's a little long but it's also a banger of like (laughs) ross only going yeah you should uh, you know be careful what you wish for type of thing so jacob how about it let me bang away. Mr. Jamie Tennyson, who almost won a bet, but who discovered somewhat belatedly that gambling can be a most unproductive pursuit, even with loaded dice, marked cards, or, as in his case, some severed vocal cords. For somewhere beyond him, a wheel was turned, and his number came back black 13. If you don't believe it, S. the Cropper, the very special one who handles roulette in the Twilight Zone. S. the what? The Krooper? What is that? Is that the person who turns a Krooper? It's fish. Krooper? Not not Grouper, but Krooper. What does it look like? like it's a wheel of fish. <laughs> Grouper. Oh, oh, so is it C-R-O-U-P-I-E-R? Krooper? 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 Not familiar. Fine. I'm I mean, looking it, this up. It sounds as if it's like person who like spins a roulette. Yeah. Or so it'd be like your dealer type of a thing, probably. Uh, the person in charge of a gaming table gathering in and paying out money or tokens. Yeah. Is that how is it pronounced? Is it Krooper or Croupier? Croupier. 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 Is that all wrong? Croupier. That's the Croupier. See, that sounds so much cooler. Croupier. <laughs> rolls off the tongue. I'm like, the Croupier. I asked the Croper, very special one, who handles roulette wheel, Twilight Zone. Uh, uh, here's one. Uh, Clive Owen was in a movie called Croupier. Uh, it's about what is it? Uh, it came out what yeah. 1988. Jack Manford is aspiring, but yeah, a successful writer. I guess me, I guess his better judgment. <laughs> he takes a job as a croupier at a local casino. The interview, croupier. <laughs> yeah, someone appointed at a gambling table to assist in the conduct of a game, especially in the distribution of bets and payouts. Croupiers are typically employed by casinos. The wheel man. It's, yeah, it's, it, you know what it is. It's, it's basically the dealer, wheel man. It's, yeah, it's basically it's basically the dealer, the one putting out the cards. To the... Someone could say that Rod Sterling is the croupier of the Twilight Zone. Oh, absolutely. Should we, I, I, should we I put that realize... as our lexicon word, croupier? Absolutely. I one thing I didn't notice when I watched this it, with the mm-hmm. uh, closing narration was that i mean basically serling is saying well you know fuck tennyson he's he's the dumbass here like nothing against uh archie per se with this one i mean he did come out on top <laughs> that's what she said 
We should write a sequel to this and kind of uh, sketch out what would happen. What would happen in the sequel to this? And with, when with the apples Tennyson? in the barrel, he did come out on top. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, the, the Gentleman's Club uh, transitions the glass room back to a sex dungeon as it was originally intended. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, All uh, they really did was tent one side of the window, make it mirror. Basically, yeah. Tennyson goes on to write an in-depth novel about the uh, nature of uh, cutting your vocal cords. Everyone feels so bad, so they all pool their money so that Archie can have money again, and then they throw Tennyson out on the street. Aww. It's like we are Marshall. Yeah. They're like, every time time a man cuts his vocal cords, an old man gets his money back. Eat your sis. Every my guess is that the lawyer gets cord, fired for being for... money <laughs> well no what happens is th- there's a big there's a big scandal and they turn this place into a casino with a with a you know the old man turns into like in the simpsons the old man becomes the the gambling machine and uh yeah and then uh the lawyer goes off to be a you know a scientist or a doctor stranded on a planet and people die, and it's just constant, constant like uh, scandals. So. About three hours. Tennyson, Tennyson goes home, and his wife asks him if he won the money and if her plan to cut his vocal cords worked. Oh, <laughs> I mean, he had mm. vocal cords; he wouldn't be able to make any noise. Which he does kind of go. I guess that's exhaling. You could make that noise, but well, and I know with with um like mute folks, that's not necessarily a vocal cord thing, but like you can still there's still like you know like yeah you can exhale but he wouldn't be able to make like groaning noises he'd be like (laughs) i just i I think (laughs) that's gonna be in you're gonna send me a picture of that later (laughs) (laughs) Um, is that your your o face because it's a very nice o face -face. you're proud of that (laughs) (laughs) you know you know it's kind of funny to me about what happens with tennyson is he is a simple fact that he didn't get that certified check like I, he he he's so vain and stupid he's just like yeah whatever he'll probably pay it to me he just it, it's so, it's so is ridiculous no fish market or porn shop what do you think this is walgreens <laughs> uh okay so let's do the, the last segment which of course is the ranking list you guys should mm-hmm. all have the ranking list at this point i've actually had <laughs> I've had to separate the ranking list into three seconds sections because we're so far into the series that it won't in the chat. This is a funny, I don't know, Rob, if you know this. Zoom chat won't if you have like a whole list like I sent to you, mm-hmm. you have to break it up or it won't post. <laughs> it like it, it like doesn't sense like it's almost like it's broken. It doesn't sense character what limit. you do. Yeah, character limit or some shit. So deep into the annals of Twilight Zone. Right, right. Our, our list uh is but <laughs> But this ranking list is the greatest ranking list since, uh, you know, we cut our vocal cords, you know, this that type of ranking list. But so with that said, I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to start with, is this a top 10 episode? Let's see our top 10. I the beholder of the invader. That means it would be above per chance to dream. Jacob. It may be a top 10 episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the purple testicle nightmares, a child, naked time. World of his oh, own by kids. the way, I, uh, I never really talk about this pace magazine has this list at 31. And once I'm again, the one that originally brought up that whole paste. Oh, I know. I, I keep forgetting to talk about it, though. But uh, they once again, for chance to dream at number nine. Honestly, I mean, because I went past 10. And I'm looking at 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. I actually did enjoy this one more than any of those. 
as far as beyond 10 i know you love the howling man i like this more than the howling man um that one uh damn it i'm trying to drink my hot cup of uranus which is a world of his own oh that's the that's one the... the soap opera or the movie guy mm. his wife's a gold digger again yep and she ain't messing with no broke broke but he is an elephant that's all you needed for an episode to be in top 10 in oh no, wait wait yeah yeah that, that was that one that was the last episode of season yeah, one. that was the writer that yeah. was the first fourth wall break with uh yeah Sterling. there at the end i thought that was that was a good one i don't know what are you, what are you guys thinking I just did a lot of talking and made no decisions whatsoever. We won't ask you to slash, um, slash your vocal cords because that would be rude. I would put this above Howling Man below World of Zone, but I, I have two other people. I have three other people in this that have to make this decision as well. So you have two other Rob, people and me. <laughs> two other people <laughs> and Jacob. He, he's alone in the desert, cursing us for a chance to dream being so high. I could I'd, see it being between a World of Zone and the Howling Man, but it's tough because the Howling Man is. I think equally a great episode. I could see this being like at nine or ten. This is going right underneath for a chance to dream for me. <laughs> Son of a bitch. You were excommunicado. Silence! Oh, too late for that. We'll cut see you what happens when you murder the podcast in the middle of our holy holy sanctum. What was Nick at time again? Uh, Nick at time was the... Shatner and the coins uh, into the, the asking the devil, future. Uh, oh, okay, okay. Diner. That's another one where the title doesn't quite match the agreed. I enjoyed it more than Nightmare as a Child. I just thought Nightmare as a Child was it had its attributes. I would put this above Nightmare as a Child, but I don't know if I'd put it above Nick of Time. Maybe I like a world of his own more than this one. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would definitely put this above time enough at last, just because that that ending is the only thing that redeems that whole entire episode. The Howley Man's hard because I like the Howley Man so much. I just like the concept of like the devil playing uh, a schmuck <laughs> to let him loose. I really like the Barbie-sized um, like shepherd's crook that oh, they yeah. used to hold the door shut. <laughs> the little twig. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I could see it nine or ten or eleven, anywhere kind of in there. Like it's a solid like, episode. It's it's like it's got the merit and the the kind of pedigree of of being one of the few Twilight Zone episodes that doesn't have a lot of the elements that we come to expect from a Twilight Zone episode, but it still lives everything that a great Twilight episode is. Mm-hmm. Very quintessential. Yeah, I, I love a world of his own. Nick of Time is great. I, I would agree. I think this is. I don't know if I could put it above a Nightmare as a Child just because of what Nightmare as a Child did. How it still haunts me to this day. That fucking episode yeah. still haunts me to this goddamn day. Oh yeah, I enjoyed this one more, but I admit that that one had more relevance. Well, and even yeah. when we started this whole thing, we had we had that place, and I think Nightmare as a Child was the cutoff for that, where those episodes were the ones that like they they had a greater thing than just a morality message. They said something more. They they felt more personal to maybe what Serling is. If it was if it was just me here all alone by myself in this basement, naked <laughs> without say, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff is always watching. Hey Jacob, I have to ask: Would you at least wear an ascot? Among your nakedness, of course, two of them. See, just okay, don't wear so socks. <laughs> but you have to wear socks. You have to wear socks no. and a mascot. No, you don't. So you got to have the socks for you know afterwards. Well, yeah, as long as you're not wearing them on your feet and a shirt, and that's it. No pants. So you see your uh, Porky Pig in it. 
<laughs> you don't want me to walk that way. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's Why right. do you think oh, you can't shirt. see below my waist? never go naked with socks. It's just not a good look. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Uh, so, I mean, okay. So, with that said, you guys want to put it above the Howling Man or below the Howling Man? Or... I'd say above, personally. but That's where I would go. If that's where we're at, I would... Yeah, I'll agree. I like the Howling Man, but I, I think it... I, I like this one a little bit more. I thought it was a, I don't know. I enjoyed it more. Okay. Yeah, I, I know go that with you that. Guys, or I know Nick, you do, and Rob. It sounds like you do too. You guys have an affinity for that episode, so I'm not the be all end all here. No, no. I but we're talking about like the top ten, so I, I want to make sure that we're, we're not just putting an episode in there because I like it. I want to make sure we're putting an episode in there that really feels like an important episode to the Twilight Zone because you know when you when you go down the list, you start getting into shit like uh, I don't know. 16 millimeter shrine or the four of us Dude, are dying that should be back like, up above it to number 10 there so yeah no i mean yeah <laughs> oh man um, i could see it at number 10 or 11 to me i'd probably put it at 11 just personally i understand it's a, it's a hard i mean it's like they're they're pretty much even i think they they both have the things that make them excellent yeah so, I mean, I guess the question remains: Did you guys like the Howling Man better, or like the Silence better? I like, I like what the Silence did a little better, but that's that's me. I think the Silence. I mean, it's been a little bit since I watched Howling Man, but I feel like the Silence felt more. I don't want to say a complete story. Like the Howling Man always felt really fast to me. Right. Understandable. Yeah, I think I think you're right on that. seemed like it needed more time. Not <laughs> yeah. just this one like could that, have used it, more time and added to it, but I feel like it still told its story, got all of it across. The Howling Man, it did that, but I think it could have benefited yeah. greatly from more time. Yeah, yeah, because the funny thing about this episode, it doesn't feel it feels like every inch of its use, like good. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> anyway you, you know what i mean but like it feels like uh nothing's wasted it feels like it's mm-hmm. meaty it doesn't yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a wreck meaty, meaty as hell <laughs> it's girthy welcome <laughs> it's girthy <laughs> it's also quite a wreck uh hey he does it, it, they do say that wikipedia so but no you know honestly it feels like an episode, an episode here <laughs> uh anyway so yeah i think i think number 10 i think that's fine so well you know and, uh, and the one thing that this episode has that uh howling man doesn't is the use of the twilight zone music like underneath several mm-hmm. parts of it i i would agree with that actually i think i think triv you stumbled across something yay was the howling man second season that was second season right uh early second right it was real early. yeah it was like yeah it was like the second or third episode of the season or something like that okay because i was gonna there say is... well that wasn't a theme when it came out because that didn't the theme didn't come along until season two but uh yeah it's crazy yeah, it's to think about season. that you yeah. think about it yeah but they're both season two so there is one actually other thing that's kind of interesting and it's it's not it's kind of a it does it works in my head but i'm not sure if it works out in the world so you got like the devil trying to tempt people in howling man and then you also have archie trying to tempt um tennyson in this to kind of give up and Green. stuff so there's that kind of that that devil on your shoulder you know whispering to you sin greed all that yeah and not to say there aren't other episodes that do that but since we've come down to these two specifically 
they kind mm. of address the idea of you know that little nagging voice behind you in different ways that's a that's a good point yeah so yeah it doesn't mean good. anything but yeah hey it always means something yeah whether you like it or not no. yeah. um no. uh, it- <laughs> <laughs> you're right i am quite thick wait <laughs> that didn't come out right <laughs> That's what she said. Uh, okay, so yeah, I, I think that I think I think that's a good spot. Wow, okay, um, time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think that's a good spot. We'll we'll put it there. So new number ten is the silence. Uh, glad it made the top ten. I didn't know. I didn't, honestly, I I would put it top ten, but I didn't know if you guys would too. But it's cool. Uh, so number one is still the eye of the beholder. Number sixty one is still the trouble with Templeton. Don't think that's going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah. So with that said, uh, the next episode uh, is actually ranked number four on Pace Magazine as one of, of Twilight Zone episodes. And I know, Rob, I think you've talked about this episode, too. Uh, this is one that is considered like one of the one of the episodes I don't remember, but it's considered a great episode. It's uh, season two, episode 26 called Shadow Play, and it's directed by John Brom, written by Charles Beaumont, based off a uh, story by Charles Beaumont called chamaray i think it's called but it has of course uh dennis weaver in it chummy <laughs> uh but it has dennis chim-chim. weaver chincher chinchilla uh but anyways it has dennis weaver uh you may know him from of course duel the spielberg uh tv movie that he did Duel. uh and of course has our chammer from the four of us are dying who plays Harry, uh, played by harry downs uh red king and bernie hamilton uh like i said i don't remember this episode very well but i know it's supposed to be really good from right here it also got remade with peter kite in the 1980s so we'll look forward to that as the next episode and uh rob as always you, you and your collection of rod serling uh funko pops we always appreciate it yay yep exactly Great, great Funko that I don't know why there are no Funkos for Twilight Zone. So, Rob, you know, like You're I said, right. Beta Zone. It could be. It could be Paramount being dicks. There's uh, not a lot anyways. of Twilight Zone merchandise in general. Yeah. It's true. We looked, up, uh, we looked up that little thing from Nick of Time. The, um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Was it was like, like $1,500 or something? Yeah, it was something crazy. It was stupid expensive, yeah. yeah. And it wasn't even like original or anything. That's crazy. Uh, but, Rob, you know... You, you come on, you've come on a few times, but you have, like I said earlier in the episode at the beginning, you created a short that's really good. Uh, stars, of course, uh, somebody that you and I both know from film school, which is kind of awesome. Uh, mm-hmm. But where can they, you also have a, another short that you did with somebody that you wrote that, of course, won some awards, which is cool. Uh, but mm-hmm. where can they find at least your content and all that good stuff? Um, you can go to youtube.com forward slash nice. Robert Dobbin. <laughs> Damn. <Nice. and> <laughs> And my uh, the short that I just put up is called uh, Beyond the Fall Off, and it's a short horror western, and uh, it's it's about only a four minute short film, but um, it I had a very talented guy that did some monster CGI in it, so it's got a little monster in it, and then here's a little screenshot from it. Oh, cool! Yeah, it's I watched it. I watched it today. It's pretty awesome. And then you. I don't think I've ever talked about this, but your intro uh, for your production company is awesome too. I love the oh, yeah. Svez, right? Svez. Yeah, Svez. That uh, it's a history that comes from way back when I was uh, used to be a pro wrestler. It's a little acronym from a wrestling team I had, which 
actually, uh, one of the other things I'll be doing in the spring is a little bit more acting. I don't do acting very often, but I'm going to be acting in a short film that's about a pro wrestler. And so I'll be after, I don't know, probably 12, 13 years getting back into a wrestling ring, doing just a little bit of wrestling for doing that. So I'll realize how out of shape I am very quickly. (laughs) Remember to warm up beforehand. Yeah. Stretch out them Um, glutes. And so that'll be in like the spring, I think April they're, they're shooting that here locally in Florida. Uh, Okay. Triv, I usually go to Jacob next, but I'm going to go to you because you're, you know, in your crazy wildness beer talk and you know angels and stuff like that uh if they want to find your once again if they want to find your james corden uh henry cavell channel where can they find that at ah you can find me here (laughs) thank you i appreciate it judge judy uh you can find me here on youtube at trivial theater uh do a wide variety of random obscure and straight up bad movies uh most recent thing Will have been um, my collab on the Apple, which I uh, highly suggest checking out because it's a fun collab and lots of weird, fun crap is said in there. And highly suggest it because it's it's an underrated classic as far as that goes. Also, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Trivial Theater. Yes, yes. You and Narcotic Casserole are aces in that episode. So yes, it was great. So yeah, hopefully get more eyes on it. Uh, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Jacob, I know you actually just finally put out a video. You were so excited to talk about it. I'm sure as I can yeah. tell from your face expressions in that episode, <laughs> but you, uh, you of course posted a video on a new, uh, was it Neil Blomkamp or Neil Marshall movie, but where can they find that at? <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on uh, YouTube at Jacob Anders at, at YouTube. Use. It's, no, it's, I think it's just Jacob. It's Jacob Anders reviews, but I think the link is just Jacob. I don't know. Just look up Jacob Anders reviews. You'll see me. I've put out a lot of videos. Um, I'm still uploading one or two times a week. Um, and as I've been saying for like the past month or so, I'm working on something big, and it's coming soon. That's what she Real said. Soon. Not prepared. <laughs> that or it's a Whip giant it dump. Yet. We're not sure which. <laughs> but soon, coming soon, I'll be able to tell everybody. Hold on, while I whip this out. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's what he and, uh, said. She, she... <laughs> At Red Neville too. She said, <laughs> "Wait, what?" Yeah, and that's what he said. I'll whip this out. Twenty twenty three. So who knows? Exactly. Um... Uh, so with that said, you can find me at Movie Emporium. That's where I hold all my content. I just did reviews for Poker Face and, of course, uh, uh, Knock at the Cabin, which apparently a lot of people didn't like. Uh, but, yeah, find us on audio feeds like Anchor and iTunes and Google Play and uh, Amscot and all those great places. You know, rate, review, subscribe, all that stuff. Uh, but for myself, Triv, Jacob, and the man formerly known as Rob, uh, we'll see you guys next time in the Twilight Zone. Peace out, guys. <laughs> Oh, yeah.